The problems came, but the mountains did not move. This is the journal that we're recording from the tiny mountain state of Andorra as the world around us comes to terms with what the coronavirus outbreak brought our way. Hi there again everybody. We're at the second episode now and it's the 11th of April 2020, Saturday morning very nice and bright outside lovely day and of course we're inside so my name is Olga and we also have our co-host Sarah here hi all good morning and today what we're going to be doing um, is talking a little bit about how things actually evolved in Andorra since we had the first cases of the coronavirus um, out out here and Sarah is going to take us away looking back to all the way um, from the 2nd of March. And then we're also going to share some personal experiences of how we felt when all of these things unfolded. Yeah, I think it it, it looks uh, really a lot of time from now that we had the first case here in Andorra confirmed positive, but uh, it was on the 2nd of March, so it wasn't that long ago, even it it seems it's been years <laughs> since then, because we've been most of this time locked down at home. Basically, uh, in Andorra, I think the, the situation escalated really fast and the measures were taken really fast. So we were having this first case confirmed positive by the 2nd of March that was on the media. And so, and just a few days later on the 11th, the government decreed some initial measures. So they were, for example, at this very first stage, creating a technical committee to follow this epidemic. And they were also canceling some trips, uh, school trips that were uh, to be performed out of the country. And they were also suspending the bigger events. So I think a little bit as we have seen everywhere else, mostly. Then uh, just two days later, on the 13th, they were already recommending to uh, shut down any uh, sport activities, uh, sport events, cultural events and show. And I think it's quite interesting to say the 13th of March is the day before our Constitution Day, which is one of the biggest celebration days here in Andorra. So I think it's, it, it had to have been a very tough decision for them to just cancel the Constitution Day and go ahead with all these measures. And one of those were, for example, limiting the visits to, uh, the, visits to the hospitals. They were also recommending people over 70 to isolate themselves at home or to reduce uh, social contact as much as, we, as they could. They were also suspending many extracurricular activities and closing playrooms all around the country. And they were cancelling all the events related to the Constitution Day celebration, which had to be the day after. And I, ha I want to say a little input here, because yesterday I had to drive to the city for something, uh, for a medical thing. 
and I still saw all the flags hanging around because of course in this situation of emergency no one has taken them down and I think it's very nice that we have the whole country decorated with our flags but it also reminds us that we couldn't celebrate that day and uh, that day uh, I remember in the evening they were closing all the ski slopes even if it was just a recommendation from the government to cancel the sport activities ski resorts decided to close completely for the season and uh, just the day after on the 14th government decreed the closure of a really huge number of uh, economical activities so basically anything that was related to social contact like sports centers bars uh, restaurants uh, also the ski slopes even they had decided voluntarily to close the day before they were forcing them by decree to be closed and also all the retail shops uh, except for those that were supplying basic uh, woods so they were suspending the court activity as well except for emergencies and and also um, some distancing measures were uh, were recommended for shops for public transport and so and just three days later on the 17th more activities were reduced because there were few activities like construction works for example that were still working for a few days but just for like a couple of days because there was the weekend in the middle. So um, by March the 17th, uh, we can say that we were all locked down except for the very basic activities and the, of course, the medical staff and so that keep working, but all the rest has been closed so far. Okay, okay, fine. And what is it that you remember going through during this time as uh, we got into the situation? Well, I think the first feeling we all had is everything went very fast. And, you know, I still remember uh, hearing of coronavirus somehow in December, but it was like so an isolated case in China that seemed to be somehow controlled. I, I have a really, really far uh, memory of the, you know, the idea of the Wuhan city being closed and probably no people uh, being able to live from there so probably the beer has been contained somehow so th that was in my head and actually we had a trip at the very beginning of January with my husband we we took a holiday week and we decided to travel to Tenerife in the Canary Islands so we were coming back from Tenerife on the 25th of January and I remember right after that like probably the day after or a few days after watching on the news that several tourists, uh, I remember, I think they were from Germany or maybe Italy, that were isolated in La Gomera Island. So for the ones who may not know, La Gomera Island is an island that can be seen from Tenerife. We actually saw some sunsets towards La Gomera in the, in the last week. And it can be reached by boat in about one hour from there. So we had even considered to go there, to go to La Gomera for a one day trip. And we fin finally didn't. So when we came back, the first clear memory I have about coronavirus is like thinking uh, that uh, those people could have arrived to La Gomera through Tenerife Airport. That was basically the most common option. So um, I remember being a bit confused about if we had been a contact, if we needed to reach some kind of authority and say we had been there, how to do it and so. And... Still at that point, 
I think we were thinking that the virus was spreading, of course, but somehow we had the feeling that it was controlled. Like it was like focus cases on focus places and somehow people were being insulated on that places. So probably it could somehow work. I mean, it, it really sounds stupid now that I say it with some perspective, but at, both, at that point we really felt safe. And actually we had a pretty normal life for the next month. I even remember participating as a volunteer in ski mountain race, and that was by February 23rd. So it was almost one month uh, after, uh, almost one month after we came from Tenerife, and I don't remember any kind of special measures. We were saying hi to friends, uh, you know, touching each other and hugging each other, and um, then everything went ultra fast. By the end of February, beginning of March we started hearing all these messages about you need to clean your hands properly, you need to cover or sneeze on your elbow, you need to reduce social interaction, to be one meter apart from each other and so and so. So yeah, and that was by the beginning of March, as I said, and by the 13th, we were all in complete isolation. So yeah, that was, that was pretty challenging. And I don't know, how, how was it on your side? Um, I think pretty similar. So at the very beginning of the year, you know, the headlines started about the coronavirus. And I guess I sought some um, solace in the fact that when the SARS outbreak was going on um, a good few years ago, I was transiting through um, Moscow airport. And um, there were, I think, um, I think it was Japanese um, tourists with the face masks. And um, of course, we're not so used to wearing face masks in Europe as the um, Asian countries seem to be, which, well, <laughs> we're starting to realise that's very wise. Um, and of course, nothing really came of that in Europe and SARS was stamped out um, pretty fast. So at that point, everything seemed very far away. And from this very human trait of, um, you know, seeking data <laughs> to base um, some mm -hmm. decisions from the past, I didn't really feel like we had very much to worry about. And in fact, um, around the end of January, a friend of ours um, went over to Hong Kong. Um, there was obviously very, very much um, reduced activity and the hotels were very cheap. So, um he had a good time there, was very safe. And of course, it's just an irony that everybody was on the phone to him saying, hey, you need to get back to Europe. It's so much safer here. By the time that he got back, of course, it was, um, you know, a very different story. And um, by the, was it the beginning of, um, of February, we were starting things to feel like they were changing. That was around the time that this huge conference in um, Spain, in Barcelona, called Mobile World Congress, was actually mm. being cancelled because a lot of the delegation would be coming from Asia. It would be a huge gathering of people. That's when it started to feel pretty significant. And we have some friends who were treating it already at that time a lot more seriously. And so I started to listen to them, do more research. And it was probably about the middle of February that I really realised um, that we were going to be very affected. Didn't realise again the extent to which. But the time that I remember feeling very nervous um, was actually the Sunday before we all went um, on this lockdown. That was March the 8th. 
I have a little baby, so I haven't been skiing this year, but we did go out there to have a lunch. And I remember feeling very, very nervous at this luncheon that I didn't really want to be surrounded by so many people. And this is actually the week that it struck me, the week that ended up with us um, taking all of these measures to to lock down. Yeah, I think it's very funny that you say so, because I had the same feeling just like a couple of days later, I think by the 11th. Uh, when we were in the gym, I used to go to this, uh, you know, organized activities with few people and we were quite a lot of people in the same room. So at some point I was just like looking around and wondering if, if that was the right place to be, if I should be there or if I should probably just, you know, go home and wait for a few days until seeing how everything is evolving. And also with the Mobile World Congress, I, I remember in thinking, that was an exaggeration and remember thinking of this, uh, you know, there were kind of conspiracy theories that probably China was, you know, deciding not to come because uh, some kind of economical interest behind that and so, so yeah, you had this feeling of uh, maybe this is just an exaggeration. I still remember uh, in my university uh, period, some of these flu um, uh, epidemics that were uh, being, uh, you know, advertised, politized everywhere, and they never affected us in uh, any way. So, yeah, or probably they affected people in our country, but I mean that the measures and the impact on our daily lives were nothing uh, similar to this. So, yeah, I think we probably underestimated it for a while. Yeah, I completely agree. Good. And um, so do you remember what was happening internationally? Like um, what was the context of our lockdown that came on the 13th, 14th to what was happening around the world? Well, I, I have to say that um, I was kind of surprised that we were taking action so fast here in Andorra, but I was also feeling quite safe like okay we've seen what happens in Italy because uh, we were having this news about Italy for the beginning of March we saw how people were locked down on the north of the country and then some people escaping to the ski resorts and stuff and spreading more the virus so at that point I guess it started to feel serious although it it wasn't affecting uh, us directly and uh, Andorra is a very uh, touristic country so Somehow it, it made a lot of sense for me and I, I actually felt safe at the moment that they started blocking. So to give a bit of context, uh, Italy was uh, declaring the lockdown, the total lockdown on March the 10th, which is just three days before that uh, in Andorra, most of the activities were suspended just following the government recommendations. And uh, one day after on the 14th, uh, Spain was declaring the state of alarm, but still you could see people go to work because, in fact, the state of alarm in Spain is just a measure that allows you to um, reduce or to uh, take action on several citizen rights. You can also block uh, some supplies when needed, but it doesn't mean that it can that you need to lock down all the people. I mean, state of alarm doesn't um, correspond to lockdown is, is not a synonym, let's say. So they were declaring the state of alarm so you could see they were willing to take action on certain matters. 
But at the same time, most of the activities were still running. People were still going to go uh, to work. You could see people queuing in the metro stations and stuff. So for me, it was quite a contrast with Andorra because on the, on the 14th that we were supposed to be celebrating the Constitution Day, uh, it was the day that the closure of most of the economical activity of the country was decreed. So basically the ones I, I was referring before, all the sports activities, education activities, um, bars, restaurants, anything that would involve people being close to each other was locked down. And only very few activities such as uh, you know, administrative work or construction works uh, were still um, able to work. And then on the 15th, they went even farther because in Andorra we had this issue that uh, our neighbors that apparently were a bit um, a bit more affected than we are and that, than we were at the moment um, weren't taking uh, very drastic action so far. So still people from Spain and from France would come to Andorra to buy stuff. And we are well known for um, being uh, for selling uh, tobacco and alcohol at a very competitive rate. This is one of the things uh, people enjoy about Andorra and why tourists come. So the government decided to um, just to block or to suspend selling these kind of products to foreign people. So only Andorrans and residents in Andorra would be able to buy alcohol and tobacco and here. And uh, uh, also uh, one thing to say is we were limited to just two bottles of wine per person per day, which is not really a uh, very drastic limit, but uh, we explained that to some people in the US and they thought that we were you know, complete party maniacs with that kind of <laughs> well, Actually, I'm not very sure what was the purpose of limiting, you know, the amount that uh, Andorran and citizens could drink uh, or could buy at the moment. Probably it's just so we weren't like buying for other people or this is the only thing that comes to my mind, but I really don't know. So uh, anyways, these measures were relaxed probably like one week after or so when the rest of the countries, when Spain and France um, implemented more restrictive measures for their citizens to move around. So they were already forbidden to be moving freely in France and Spain, and there was no risk for them to be um, coming to Andorra. Okay. Uh, actually, uh, we approved this decree uh, to restrict the selling of alcohol and tobacco on the 15th. And on the 16th, just one day later, Spain was establishing the movement restrictions to their citizens. So basically, it was these first recommendations that you can only move to go to work or to go to buy the essentials, but you, don't, you cannot go to a second residency, you cannot go uh, tourism or uh, to meet with friends. And basically that affected, that was the first affection we had on our borders because the Andorran Spanish border remained active and it has always been open, it has never closed. But the transit through this border was limited to supplies basically, and then also to residents. So people living in Spain who needed to come back to Spain were allowed to cross, people living in Andorra who needed to come back from Spain, they could as well. And then also for cross-border workers or uh, cross-border patients. I even know of some people who have a, like a small uh, animals farm in the other country. So they are still allowed to go and come when needed to feed the animals and stuff. At least at the very beginning, it was working like that. 
And then on the 17th, so again, two days after we approved this limit on alcohol and tobacco, uh, France uh, was also establishing these general movement restrictions to their citizens and the same thing, Andorran border with France remained open all the time, but of course the transit was as well limited in the same way as it was in Spain. And uh, I think the only moment I have been a bit um, worried about what, we, what would happen with our borders was when the European Union started discussing about, um, you know, limiting or even uh, suspending the export of uh, those products that they would consider essential to non-European countries. Because, again, we are in the middle of Europe, but we are not a European member state. So of course, you 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 have to trust that they will uh, you know remember you exist and they will put in action the appropriate measures so you are not completely locked down in the middle of Europe and with no access to anything basically. But of course, it's something that worries you until you see that on a paper. And well, that that was effective on the twentieth of March, and actually they recognized uh, Andorra together with uh, San Marino and also with the Vatican City as countries that depend on the European Union supply chains. So they of course made an exception for us and we are able to get supplies from Europe even if we are a non-European country. And actually we are even getting supplies of like medical things that are very needed on our neighboring countries. They have even donated um, from France, for example, we receive a donation of uh, face masks. So, so far it, it has been working really, really well and, and I'm happy, but yeah, if you compare it with the international scenario, it seems that we really implemented the measures really, really early. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Um, so we actually decided that probably looking at the health data, we did say that we would do it today. But we reckon that doing this on Monday is actually going to be a little bit more interesting because it's going to be exactly six weeks after we had the first positive case. And then it's going to be exactly one month after lockdown, right? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Because actually on the 13th of March, it was a recommendation, but as many, many, many uh, private companies in the country decided to act in a very responsible way and to just go for the shutdown mm -hmm. immediately, as happened, for example, with the ski slopes, it happened as well with many of the bigger sports centers. Um, then um, we are in, in the practice lockdown since the 13th, officially probably since the 14th, and then in a very restrictive way since the 17th. But I think for the health data evolution, um, it, it really makes sense to do it on the 13th after we can uh, get the information on the new health data that is being shared by our uh, health ministry around noon. And uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, I'm pretty interested on seeing the, the graphs evolution because so far we can say that, for example, yesterday we only had four more active cases since the previous day, which I think is a really good news and really seems we are either on the peak or very, very close to get there. So yeah, let's see how the situation will be on Monday. Yeah, I think this will be interesting. And also, I mean, around the world, what we have at the moment um, 
going on against our very flattened curve is that in the US, the <laughs> the figures are just skyrocketing. We've also got um, a city in China, I forget the name, um, but I believe it's on the border with Russia, which has just gone into quarantine. Um, and I think it would be nice to be tracking some of these world events against our data as well because by no means uh, do I think that this is finished and I think a lot of people would agree we don't know how long the virus sticks around we don't know uh, whether people can get reinfected and so although we feel ourselves in relative calm I think that to some extent we're in a little safe bubble which is wonderful but um, there's still a lot of work to do for us and for everybody else. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, now we are all here in the wanting and wondering um, when the test will start for the whole population, because of course that will give uh, precious data to work with. And um, yeah, let's see, they have so far announced that uh, probably more online activities could be, um, could be implemented or allowed very soon. And yeah, let's see the evolution because we are seeing also these recommendations from the World um, Health Organization saying that, uh, you know, uh, taking these measures uh, very early or reducing the restriction measures uh, too early may be uh, really, really, really bad for the evolution of the epi epidemic. So, yeah, let's see. I, I, I think the pace in Andorra is quite slow in these regards, but I'm, I'm really happy with it. I, I feel safe. So I think that's the most important yeah, exactly. thing to, to feel yeah, exactly. right now. And there's also one other thing that's happening um, at this moment in time. There's a raging argument about whether Sweden is taking the good path or mm -hmm. not the good path because they're taking a very different approach. Um, they have advised their citizens on what to do, but not actually disallowed them um, to operate as businesses in most cases. So we're going to see, um, I think, in the course of this podcast, whether that strategy is actually better or not, taking into account that there are huge cultural differences between that country and um, South uh, southern Europe, where we find ourselves. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think it's going to be very, very difficult to judge because, uh, again, we are comparing different countries and I often hear comparisons, especially with Spain or France, and then um, especially regarding the economic measures and stuff. And it's really difficult to compare uh, countries that are completely different in their like social composition, social uh, habits, their, their culture itself. It's, it makes a very, very difficult, um, you know, uh, starting point for comparison. So, but anyways, we will see the evolution and, and, and I think it's going to be pretty interesting to, to check how every country did and uh, what the result has. I think uh, one of the reasons the lockdown has been so effective here in Andorra, because I, I again remember that we are here all by our own volunty. It's uh, we are not being obliged. We cannot be fined if we go out. Uh, but people are obeying and people are uh, acting responsibly in a super high percentage. And I think one of the reasons why this is being so effective is also because uh, economic activities are completely shut down. So basically, yeah, you can go outside, but um, you don't have much stuff to do. And 
anyways, the stuff you would do is, uh, you know, it's just for fun because you don't have really obligations to attend. I can imagine myself now if, uh, you know, if the court was open and all the timings haven't been suspended, uh, of course, I would need to go out even if I didn't want to because I really need to meet, uh, you know, my obligations. So, yeah, I think that's making it worse. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk about some of the measures that um, have gone on here to um, to limit any movements. Like um, I saw that there are now drones policing the uh, mountain sites. Um, I've heard that um, in the city where you've got more people together, someone goes out and sometimes they're publicly shamed for doing so. Um, so yeah, the you know the population well, certainly is... police themselves to a, to a large extent. Yeah, I think we have to be careful with that too, because I've seen. Uh, I mean, there are several online platforms where people yeah. share their opinion and stuff, and it, and it is fine. I mean, and and if you have a neighbor and you know he's not going anywhere, and uh, you know you you can probably tell him to behave properly, or if you have a friend and you know he's not doing what he's supposed to maybe you can do as well but I've seen people you know uh, trying yeah. to shame other people in the street and it's completely unknown people and uh, yesterday I knew about a girl that is working in a hospital and she was having a little sunbath in the um, in the in the street in the there's some places where you can sit in front of the hospital it was her 20 minutes break she just wanted to have some fresh air and someone was telling her that you cannot go out and sunbath. It's like, um, I think we all need to know that we don't know who those people are. We have no clue what they are going through. So yeah, I think it's it's fine to try to control, but uh, you have to be kind as well. And, and you can control people you know, but you cannot, you know, try to control completely um, strangers. There is the police to do that. So probably if this lady was doing that uh, seven days a, day, a week, uh, someone would go there, ask her why is she there, and then if she has a reason to be, you know, um, I'm on a state, she yeah, would. Absolutely. Sure. Um, I mean, we need to start wrapping up, but I have to say this is the first time I've ever seen a, um, a bit of footage on the internet on a local newspaper where somebody was caught out jogging and was publicly shamed for it, which, you know, usually would <laughs> be a really <laughs> commendable activity. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's tough on all of us. That's for sure. Yeah. That's Good. True. Well, I guess uh, we can wrap up there. Um, unless there's yeah. anything else to say. But um, otherwise, that's it until Monday when we reach one month of our lockdown. Yeah, that's great. I think we can uh, do a recap then. Okay, great. Sarah, thanks ever so much once again. Thank you very much, Olga, and thank you everyone Absolutely. for listening to us. Until next time. Bye. Ciao. The Mountains Did Not Move podcast is co hosted by Sarah Munoz Acosta and Olga Pavlovsky. We thank Georgi Karelyov for his kind gift of music that you hear in each episode. You can find our podcast on anchor.fm slash mountains did not move. And there you can leave us a voice message if you have any comments or questions. Of course, you can find this podcast anywhere that you get your quality listens. And finally, 
You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Mountains Did Not Move podcast. Thank you for listening and until next time.